This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm Mac Pritchard, your host and publisher of Max List. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ben Forstag, our managing director, and Jenna Forstrom, our community manager. This week, we're talking about how women can shatter the glass ceiling. Our show is brought to you by Hack the Hidden Job Market, the new online course for MaxList. As many as 8 out of 10 job openings never get advertised. Is your dream job one of them? Learn how to uncover hidden jobs and get noticed by the hiring managers who fill them. Visit maxlist.org course. Look at the photo of the leadership team of many employers, large or small. Chances are you'll see many more men than women. According to the Center for American Progress, women in the U.S. hold 52% of all professional jobs. But American women remain well underrepresented in leadership positions. What's stopping women from getting these executive jobs? It's called the glass ceiling. Writer Ann Morrison says this barrier is, quote, so subtle, it's transparent, yet so strong that it prevents women from moving up. Our guest expert this week is Alyssa Doucette. She says it is possible to break through the glass ceiling. Later in the show, Alyssa will give you her ideas for how to do this. Many of us want careers that offer a flexible work schedule. This can make it easier to raise children or care for a family member. Ben Forstag has discovered a list of 250 flexible jobs. He'll share it with us in a moment. Have you found your dream employer? But maybe there's a problem. The company isn't hiring right now. What do you do next? That's the question of the week. It comes from listener Dan Reffenberger. Jenna Forstrom tells us her answer in a few minutes. But first, as always, let's check in with the MaxList team. Uh, Jenna, Ben, I'm, I'm curious, how have you two seen the glass ceiling operate in your own careers? Well, I'm not operating in like the top echelons of corporate America, so I don't see the barriers you know, at the very top for women there. But certainly throughout my career and throughout my life, I've seen plenty of examples where women have uh, faced undue burdens that men don't have to face uh, in the job market. Um, and that you see it all the time. You know, um, I remember one job I had where uh, there was a discernible difference between how women were treated, particularly young women, uh, versus how men were treated in the organization, where um, it was okay for men to speak up and say things at staff meetings, but women, when they did, uh, got the reputation of being difficult to manage and, and not helpful. Um, so, you know, I think sometimes people think the glass ceiling is like the very apex of, of your career or, or of jobs out there, but I think it kind of exists on every level of the job market. Well, I would say my experience has just been growing up and going to business school and just having it drilled into my head that I will statistically make less money just because I'm a girl. Um, and honestly, like in all of my jobs, I've been pretty lucky where I don't feel like someone's making more, more money than me because they're male, but I've definitely had lots of conversations at like happy hour with other women and we just kind of have like the same drama and we get asked random questions. And I mean, we the Maxless team has gone to conferences and I'll just make comments like, you know, no one tries to hug Mac or Ben, but people feel the need to hug me when I meet them. And it's just like, 
if two guys wouldn't do that, why would you think it's okay to do that to me? So just small things like that, that girls just have to, or women have to deal with. One example I saw earlier in my career, and I, and I continue to see uh, examples uh, even today, but it really struck me when I was working in Boston in the early 80s for a nonprofit group, we would get paid every other Friday and we didn't have direct deposit. So you'd go to the bank and, and the bank that I used was uh, right across from the public or er, uh, from the common. And there in the center of Boston, I'd walk in and there I would stand in line, wait for the teller. So I got to know all the tellers well. And there was always one white male who was working as a teller for about six months and then he would get moved to a loan officer's job on uh, with a desk on the floor. And then uh, six or 12 months later, he would you'd see him up on the second floor where the senior leaders were. But the other tellers, who were all women or people of color, they, they never made that move. And it, it was uh, just a very striking uh, example for me, even then, 35 years ago, of, of the glass ceiling and how it operates. Well, thank you both. Now, let's turn to Ben, who every week is out there searching the nooks and the crannies of the internet, looking for tools, books, and websites you all can use in your job search and your career. Now, Ben, tell us, what have you found for our listeners this week? So this week, I want to share a resource called the Flex Jobs 250, the companies with the most flexible jobs. This comes from the website Flex Jobs, which I've actually talked about in a past show, uh, but this is specific list that they've uh, produced for 2016. And it's the companies that have the most uh, flexible work arrangements. So the reason I'm bringing it up on this show is, uh, as we all know, uh, women tend to be the ones who take responsibility for caring for children and taking time off to go care for older relatives as well, and just general family issues. And so flex scheduling is a big need for women. And and one of the things that uh, the experts say is, one of the things that holds back women is when organizations are not flexible like this, when they can't take time off uh, either for short-term or long-term family needs. Um, And so if you are in this situation, these are the kind of organizations you might be looking for because you'll have a little bit more flexibility in how you do your job. So uh, I'm not going to go through all 250 organizations because that's a lot of names, uh, but I will say here are the top industries where flex jobs are Uh, emerging as a growing trend. They're in uh, medical and healthcare, HR and recruiting, computer and IT, education, accounting and finance, government, and finally travel and hospitality. Those are the fields where all the flex jobs are. And uh, the flex jobs website actually says that they've seen a 75% increase in the number of flexible jobs posted in their own database uh, just over the last two years. And about 80% of U.S. companies currently offer some form of flex work arrangements, uh, which is a really good thing, I think, uh, for everyone involved, men and women. So this is, uh, again, on the Flex Jobs website. It's the 250 companies with the most flexible jobs, and we will have a link to it in the show notes. Great. Well, thanks, Ben. And I imagine even if there's not a company in your area that it'll it sounds like a good source for ideas for the kinds of jobs that do offer flexible schedules. Yeah, and I think uh, it, it's worthwhile just looking through some of the, the ways they define flexibility as well, because uh, it might give you some ideas of, oh, this is something that's important for me or something I'm looking for in another organization that might not be on this list. Okay. Well, great. Well, if you have a suggestion for Ben, please write him. You can reach him at ben at maxlist.org. 
and we'd be thrilled to share your ideas on the show. Now let's turn to you, our listeners, Jenna Forstrom, our community manager is here, and she joins us to answer one of your questions. Jenna, what do you have for us in the MaxList mailbag this week? Today's question comes from Daniel Reifenberger. He also goes by Dan, for the, for the record, who asks... Hi, my name's Daniel from Boulder, Colorado. My question is, uh, what do you do if the place that you want to work isn't hiring? This is a great question, and there's this is where networking comes into play, right, guys? So um, you need to stay on top of mind to these hiring managers and just go to events where their company thought leaders are speaking at and going to networking events that you know that the company is going to be at and just become chummy buddies with anyone and everyone who works there. So check their LinkedIn, see if you have any common connections and just keep on top of their job postings and talking to their hiring manager and trying to just become friends with them so that you have the opportunity when a job posting becomes available or a hidden job becomes available, you're top of mind um, with that company. So how about you guys, Mac and Ben, do you have any other thoughts? I I think you're, you're right on track here with networking being important. I also think it's important to find opportunities to showcase your abilities and your value uh, in other ways outside of employment for this company. And I don't know if they have opportunities to volunteer or opportunities to do internships um, or even as, if it's as simple as when you are communicating with folks on LinkedIn, you're responding to their questions with some added value, uh, answering questions they might have, things like that. Um, I think the more you show yourself as a problem solver, uh, the more you won't just be on top of mind when they have the next hire, but they'll also see you as someone who uh, is like a good catch for the job. Yeah, I, I want to congratulate Dan because he knows where he wants to go. He has the company in mind, and now his challenge is to build relationships with inside that company. And a specific step he can take is to look on LinkedIn and see what first or second degree connections he has inside that employer's organization and begin to either uh, build new relationships with those folks or strengthen existing ties. And it's a long game. It might be three, six, 12, even 24 months before a position opens up that matches his skills and, and experiences. But he needs, if he does that now and gets ahead of uh uh, the the rest of the pack, it'll pay off. I'm reminded, my own experience, one of my goals was to work in the office of the governor of Oregon. And it took me two years. It wasn't something I did every day, but um, over a two-year period, I, I had some connections inside the office. I, I maintained them. And uh, I built new ties with people inside the office. And eventually, I got a job. And it was when I left that position, my boss at the time said uh, at my farewell party after I'd worked there for three years and I was, uh, he said, you know, Mac Pritchard was the first person uh, who in Oregon State Government to call me after he'd been appointed press secretary to the governor. And here's an organization with state government has um, tens of thousands of employees and nobody was calling this fellow. And, and I did, and it didn't lead to a job immediately, but several years later, I ended up working for him and had a great experience. So kudos to you, Dan, for knowing where you want to go. Now your challenge is to have a plan to get inside the organization. And I think one of the things that 
that we should point out here is that this is not like a quick solution to getting landing a job in an organization. And there might not be any quick solution if the organization itself is not hiring, right? Who knows when they're going to make the next hire? Exactly. And that's why it's so important to kind of mainstream these kind of networking activities into your everyday life, professional life, whether you've got a job or you're looking for a job. Right. And you'll probably want to do this with several different employers because I find most people do have uh, a short list of companies or organizations where they'd like to work. And don't wait for a posting to appear on a job board to build relationships inside those organizations. Uh, do it now, and as, as you say, in a low-key way. And, and Jenna, you're just spot on here about the importance of networking. It's, it's really good advice you're offering. Well, thank you, Dan, for sharing your question with us. And if you have a question for Jenna, please email her. Her address is jenna at maxlist.org. Or call our listener line. That number is area code 716-562-8225 or 716-JOB-TALK. These segments with Jenna and Ben are sponsored by Hack the Hidden Job Market, the new online course for MaxList. As many as 80% of all jobs never get posted. Instead, employers fill these openings by word of mouth. Our new course shows you how this hidden job market works. We teach you how to find plum gigs that never appear on a job board, how to stand out online in a crowd of applicants, and how to connect with insiders who can help your career. In each of the course's 12 modules, you get the tools and tips you need to get the work you want. Meaningful work, work that makes a difference, work that you can love. Hack the Hidden Job Market is now live. Register now at www.maxlist.org course. Now let's turn to this week's guest expert, Alyssa Doucette. Alyssa Doucette is a freelance writer and editor. Her work has been featured in the New York Times, the Boston Globe, Yahoo Small Business, the Huffington Post, and Brazen Careerist. She hosts the weekly podcast, Writer's Rough Drafts, and writes the syndicated column, Shattering Glass on Forbes.com. She joins us today from Prague, the capital city of the Czech Republic. Alyssa, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me and adjusting your recording times to be able to have me from the the tundras of Europe. Well, we're <laughs> happy to move across time zones to, to get the best people to, to serve our audience. So uh, it's a pleasure to have you here on the program. Now, our topic this week is how women can shatter the glass ceiling. Let's talk about the glass ceiling, Alyssa. What is it and how does it affect women's careers? Uh, the glass ceiling is something that uh, I wish I knew off the top of my head uh, where it kind of originates from. Um, anyone in the audience who might be able to comment on the post or anything, that would be fascinating. But it's basically a longstanding concept that uh, as women attempt to progress in their careers, uh, and especially women in like the 70s, 80s, early 90s, um, they could get to uh, certain levels. They could get to, you know, middle management, possibly even C or E-suite type uh, positions. But then what would happen is they, they would look up and be able to see all of the men above them. They'd be able to see all of the men who are always going to get the better positions than they did. And, and the theory was that, you know, that or the metaphor is that those men were 
on the next level up and you were kind of looking through a glass ceiling at them, uh, wanting to be where they are, they can see you. There's not really an understanding why there's a difference, but still women are never able to to kind of push through and get to that next level because uh, there's a sheet of pure pain glass there that's going to keep them away. But they always can can kind of see in and kind of see what's there. So the idea goes back uh, to the late 1970s. and uh, But it, it tell us, it, it's still very much a problem today, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's changed a fair bit, I think. Um, I, I, I personally like to think there's kind of more and more, um, if you think of a pane of glass, especially if you think of like a windshield, if anyone watched, you know, Beyonce's lemonade video, you know, when you take a baseball bat to a windshield, it doesn't immediately shatter. Uh, it's, it's tempered. And so you kind of get all of the, the pieces in place, but that piece of glass is still there until there's been enough hits at it to really break through. Uh, and I, I, I get the impression that's kind of uh, where the glass ceiling has started to go in the past decade, although it's definitely not close to shattering yet. Uh, it, but it is at the point where women enough women have started kind of trying to hit at it. I mean, you know, in the U.S., we have our first major political party presidential candidate ever who's a woman. So, like... There are things that are happening to try to break that glass ceiling. The shard, the hits are starting to happen. The fractures are starting to happen, but we definitely haven't broken through it yet. So let's talk about those hits and, and how you can create those shards. What can women do in their own careers to, to break through the glass ceiling? Well, I'm definitely a believer in kind of... I, I didn't realize that I was part of um, it's either like next generation or new wave feminism. Uh, someone informed me that's what my thought school was. So I guess I'll go with it for now because it's easy to classify. But I, I definitely, definitely don't think we're at the same point of, you know, the 70s, 80s and 90s where yelling and screaming and having to constantly be activists for women's rights is going to to get us any progress. We've kind of gotten to the point where that stuff uh, d doesn't, it, it isn't as effective anymore. That's not to say that women shouldn't be talking about the effects of the glass ceiling and the struggles that they do have, but we've kind of gotten into this this new place where all right, the, the ground has been set by these amazing pioneering women before us who've gotten us to this point. It's it's really now the on the backs of, you know, the lower end of Gen X all the way down to millennials to, to start really, you know, to borrow Cheryl Sandberg's quote, to start leaning in, to start trying to own their own trajectories, to doing the work, showing up, being the most exceptional version of themselves. Uh, and that's kind of the thing that we're going to see that's going to continue putting these hits in the glass ceiling is basically showing the men who are on the floor upstairs that, that you know, women, women are here. We're right close to you. We're capable of being in the same room as you. 
I feel like the more women make that point known through their actions, not just through their words, uh, the more men and companies start paying attention to that reality and start noticing the women, you know, essentially coming up through the floor of their their places. So, Alyssa, what actions do you see women take successfully in the workplace to, to send that message? What are some practical steps that you've seen your colleagues or, or leaders take uh, in order to, to, again, not only hit the glass uh, ceiling, but to, to move through it? Yeah, I think I, I think first and foremost, it's it's a really uh, unfortunate and kind of dangerous narrative that we get into that corporate America is skewed against women. Uh, it, it certainly is. There's no doubt about that. But it's also more, it's it's skewed against people who don't value kind of selling their soul to make the corporation's money. Uh, so in the past, wherein women have traditionally been the people who kind of gave up whatever their careers and ambitions were to take care of families, to take care of spouses, to take care of children, um, it, there's, there's a double side on that, that men haven't been able to do the things that maybe they wanted to do. They haven't been able to, you know, Cat Stevens wrote in the 70s that his son grew up just to be like him ignoring the world. This isn't a new concept that's come down on us. So what women really need to do is is understand that paradigm, first of all. They they need to understand that, that corporate America and their businesses and their jobs aren't out to get them just because they're women. Corporations and corporate America and businesses, unfortunately, are often out to get them because whatever their values may be, are not in line with the bottom line of what's going to make the company the most money. So knowing that and understanding that and getting away from this kind of sad mentality of, well, what can I do? This is always going to be stacked against me, immediately starts making you understand the action steps that you need to take. If the company is worried about their bottom line and figuring out how to make money and figuring out how you contribute to that, then the actions that you need to take to set yourself apart and to start hitting that glass ceiling are showing how you contribute to the bottom line and how you're going to make the company money and why you're the best person for the job, regardless of what your gender is. So it, for, for me, it's always one of those things with the action is you have to understand where it comes from and then figure out what your actions are going to be. So think about what motivates your employer. And, and the point you're making is that it's the bottom line. What can you do to make the organization more profitable? Or if you're working perhaps for a nonprofit uh, that contributes to that organization's mission, uh, is there something different? I think that's good advice for any employee, uh, whatever their gender. Are there mm-hmm. is how do you is there something different that women should do in in addition to that in order to overcome these barriers that are in, in fact based on their gender? It, it, the unfortunate thing that is very much part of the glass ceiling, and I think is what a lot of women have to deal with in this particular situation is. You, you do have to understand if that's 
the role that you want to take and that's the ambition that you want to have, that, that glass ceiling is still there. Uh, it's keeping down women. It's keeping down men who have those values. Um, it's, it's constantly skewed against you. So you really have to kind of develop a a, a thick skin and an iron will, um, to, to be quite frank, you need to, you need to understand that, you know, people are going to say and do things that are basically going to fly in the face of you being as successful or as apt and skilled as you are. You are going to constantly have those people who don't share the values of work-life balance um, being willing to just completely railroad you to get to where they want their ambitions to be. Um, there's, you know, kind of the the hangover from the 80s of the tiger women of Wall Street, the women who had to like learn to play like men um, and basically learn to railroad all of the people around them. And, and I don't think that that's the, the healthy, safe narrative for any agile company that wants to grow and not completely burn out their employees. It's certainly not the way that we as people should be approaching our jobs wherein they're the be all end all and we're willing to, you know, sell anyone to be able to get to where we are. But you do have to understand and accept that as as a woman, it's it's going to be a struggle sometimes. The odds are stacked in your favor. So you can either whine about it and be upset about it um, and just completely talk about how unfair the situation is, or you can continue doing things that continue showing how amazing you are. And, and that's really what puts you ahead. So Alyssa, what are your three best tips for how someone can indeed show that they are amazing and move ahead? Um, I am a big fan of, like I said, with that company, knowing how you contribute to the company line and uh, the company profits and everything. If there's stuff that you're doing, don't just do the work. Also have the metrics and the analytics behind you to show how the work that you did contributed to an increase in your company, your department, your team's success rate. Um, secondly, women, you know, have to definitely be more willing to, to stand up and kind of defend themselves. Uh, there's a, a lot of talk of women being talked over, women being ignored, women being just completely ignored in meetings and different things through no point of a lot of people will uh, calm it down to call it down to misogyny, but it's really just the innate nature of what our culture has set up. So the second thing is women just need to be able to, to speak up and be willing to, you know, talk over the other people in the room. You know, you, you may be thought of as not the, the best person uh, in terms of being a woman for that. But as long as you're respectful and contributing good ideas and opinions and helping the company, you may not be liked, but you'll be respected, uh, which is a very real thing in the kind of breaking through of the glass ceiling. And I think the third thing that women really need to do is figure out what your priorities are, figure out who you are and what's important to you in both business and your personal life. 
And that way you're better able to kind of draw the the barriers and distinctions of what you'll say yes to at work, what you'll say no to at work, what you'll say yes to at home, what you'll say no to at home, uh, understanding kind of how to better meld your life into your professional life so that it can be something you're happy with. Because unhappy people, I tend to find, are some of the least productive human beings ever. Yeah, I think that's true for any worker, no matter what their gender. Well, Alyssa, this has been very, very useful and great advice. Uh, where Tell us what's coming up next for you. Uh, I, I never really have a next. I run an online editorial agency, so I am pretty much constantly just working on that. Uh, so, so that's, that's what's next for me. And what I enjoy doing the most is working with authors and entrepreneurs to kind of make their writing better and make their writing something they can be proud of. Well, we'll include a link to your agency in the show notes, uh, for the benefit of our listeners. Yeah, they can find you there at www.craftyourcontent.com. And I know you're on Twitter as well. Your Twitter handle is Alyssa Doucette, and your Instagram handle is Alyssa underscore Doucette. And uh, there will be links to all three of those accounts in the show notes. Alyssa, thanks for joining us today. And uh, especially, I know it's very late for you in Europe, so I appreciate you being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, we're back in the MaxList studio with Jenna and Ben. What are some key takeaways that you have from that conversation? Jenna, would you like to go first? Yeah, my biggest takeaway was just to speak up and know that um, it's you're going to probably be viewed as some like a pushy woman, but that's the only way that in most businesses that you're going to get heard. Like no one's no male coworker is going to probably come over and ask for your your thoughts and opinions. So you need to be very, very proactive in an almost pushy way to get your points across. The flip side of that is, is I work with two guys and I'm really thankful that I feel like you guys treat me as a a common person. So it's, it's a a mute point for me, but if you're working in a larger organization, definitely just constantly prove your worth and push out and get your thoughts and opinions heard and find, I guess like helpers, like influencers or managers that are willing to help you out and get your, your voice heard as well. Ben. Well, first, Jenna, let me say you're not a common person to me. You're an elite aristocrat in this <laughs> office. I'm the loud, obnoxious one, whether or not I'm a woman, right? I wouldn't say that. Uh, no, we love having you here. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, I have to be honest. I think the, the issue here is the, the insidiousness of the glass ceiling is that you're damned if you do and damned if you don't, right? That if you uh, don't speak up, you end up being uh, passed over. And if you do speak up, if you're a woman, you tend to be seen as being pushy or unmanageable. And uh, fortunately for me, like that's not something I've, I've had to experience in my life, but I know plenty of other women uh, in my life who have. And, and it's a, a frustrating situation to be in. The one piece of advice that I thought Alyssa offered that was really good was to uh, quantify your successes and your accomplishments with some good solid metrics because uh, the numbers don't lie at the end of the day. And if you have good numbers to back up the kind of value you bring to the organization, whether it's the amount of 
revenue you bring in or how you've advanced the organization's mission or how you've increased the organization's standing with customers or others, uh, that's that's gold. And that's something that uh, I think anyone, uh, but particularly women, can hold up and to show, like, here's the value I brought to the table. Yeah, I, I also liked Alyssa's point about knowing the employer's self-interest. And this plays to the point you just made, Ben, which is you know, the bottom line. But think about what is going to make your hiring your manager or your employer or their CEO or president's life easier. Figure that out and not only document that you're doing that, but find new ways of doing it as well. And I also just want to say it's a pleasure having you here as well. Jenna, I don't think of you as common or pushy at all, but uh, as, as Jenna, who's making the show great. So, Aw, thanks, guys. Yeah. Uh, and this is a real issue. I, uh, it's a huge problem. It's not going to go away overnight. There are things that we can do individually, uh, but it's, it's, it's a big problem. I was amazed once, and it, it affects how we behave in the workplace. I was in a leadership program once with people from large employers across Oregon, and there was a lady who, very good at her job, ran corporate communications for a healthcare organization, and she told me that um, uh, she never took notes in meetings when she was early and, and in mid-career because people would then ask her to type them up and they would behave towards her as if she were an assistant. And uh, it was just very illuminating for me to hear that because I love to take notes. I don't think twice about it or how it might affect how people perceive me. Uh, it's a way for me to learn uh, and it helps me get better at my job. But if I were a different gender, I might not be taking notes. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, what they call privilege. Yeah. Well, thank you both. And thank you, our listeners, for joining us. If you like what you hear, please sign up for our free weekly newsletter. In each issue, we give the key points of that week's show. We also include links to all the resources mentioned. And you get a transcript of the full episode. If you subscribe to the newsletter now, we'll send you our job seeker checklist. In one easy-to-use file, we show you all the steps you need to take to find a great job. Get your free newsletter and checklist today. Go to maxlist.org slash podcast. Join us next Wednesday when our special guest will be Ray Bixler. He'll explain why many employers now do reference checks online and what you can do about it. Until next time, thanks for letting us help you find your dream job.